All right. Thanks for being here. Thanks for being friendly. The introverts among us are just well shattered right now, but uh, we appreciate you trying that even if you're an introvert. So I'm going to start with a statement. Uh, Christmas is preposterous. Absurd um, for those of us who are Bugs Bunny fans, harebrained, right? But I want, in order to get it this year, in order for it to be personal, I want to start with this. Think of a time when you were pretty hopeless and somebody stepped in and gave you hope. When I was in middle school, math was, they lost me. As a fellow New York public school person said, once they brought letters into math, I was out, right? So I could not get it. And one of my brothers said, I'll explain it to you. One rainy Sunday afternoon, he sat down and actually got me to understand that X doesn't always equal five. Life-changing. Because the first time they said X in the equation, it was five. And so I thought, okay, good, I got this. And it turns out X is a variable Yeah, but it's always five. No, no, see, that's the whole point of a variable. It took a while. But I finally got everything, basically, I understand about algebra. One of my brothers taught me one Sunday afternoon. Years ago, about almost 30 years ago now, I felt called to be a minister for the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of Jesus. So that meant I had to go back to school and get my graduate degree. But... I've got a Jewish dad. You don't go into debt for a degree that then notoriously doesn't pay well, especially the early years. So I was trying to figure out, well, how do I go to graduate school and pay for this in a way that doesn't have debt because I, can't, I can get a little bit of a job, but I can't get a full-time job. And I really was concerned. And then my friend Warren said, I believe in you as a minister. And he started sending me a check every month. Well, it's beautiful. Warren, can I have more? No. But it was, it was plenty. It was, it was enough. And there was hope born in, a, for me, a very worrisome situation. You might explain, if we, had, uh, if we were passing the mic out, you might come up and tell us what you're worried about. And the rest of it is like, ah, that's nothing. Listen to mine. But for me, it was a big deal. Now, I've got bigger ones, but I don't have to tell you those because you've got your own. So think of a time feel it deeply when, man, it looked hopeless. It might be right now. And then someone gave you reason for hope. That's, that's part two. That's part one. Here's part two. A little, little controversy, perhaps, for the minister to get up and announce that Christmas is crazy. The story of Christmas, like that one experimental play, friends invited you that one time and you went, and the whole time you're thinking, what is going on? There's no plot all the music is in a minor chord. I love plays. We went to one this week with, with kids. Oh, man, that was great. I think I enjoyed it more than anybody else now, surrounded by fifth graders. I love plays. Throw in some music. Oh, I'm good. little tap dancing. You've got me. So I've gone to more than a few terrible experimental plays. That's just too crazy. So that's what Christmas is, right? we got the shepherds, the, the wise men, the virgin birth. We've got the barn. Might as well throw in a fat guy who breaks in, steals our baked goods, and we're all okay with it. Can I get an amen? It's, a, it's just a crazy, it's a crazy season. So for Christmas, 
this year. We'll just say it out loud. It sounds crazy. And we're not even criticizing. We like crazy. Crazy is entertaining. Crazy is why we have sports teams we root for, right? How many times have the Yankees broken my heart? Well, every year except 2009. 2001, cold Chicago day. Been married two years. And this terrible team, Arizona Diamondbacks, I think it was, is beating my Yankees. It was looking good, looking good. It's not looking good right now. And we didn't even have a remote control for our TV. So I have to get up and run across the living room and just is about to shut it off before the game-losing run scores for the wrong team. My wife of two years says, hey, I'm watching that. <laughs> so we, we, we had to explain how sports works when, once you're married. Now, it's, it's all in. But that's why we watch sports because, yeah, it's crazy. But it's entertaining. That's why we watch superhero, well, I don't, why you people watch superhero movies and why we watch home improvement shows instead of painting our own bathroom. We like crazy. It's entertaining, but it's not life-changing. And Christmas, the idea that Emmanuel, God with us, that's supposed to be life-changing. And we never know how many more Christmases we're going to get. Well, thanks, Ted. That's not what I was thinking about. But now I'm thinking about death. Had a lot of funerals around here lately, so uh, yeah, we don't know how many more Christmases we're going to get, so we don't want to miss the life-changingness of this Christmas this year, so it's an absurd story, and uh, while our hope for the future is a bit low, we open the Bible, and if you open the Bible, New Year's coming, some of us set the, the plan, I'm going to read the Bible this year, page three, the whole thing has gone right off the rails, you got, uh, you got a fruit, you got a tree, you got a snake, the whole thing's just crazy. God tries to partner with humans, the creator, partnering with the creation. It's like trying to make a pact with an eight-year-old. Okay, we're not going to tell mommy this year. We're just going to make this, and we're going to surprise her with it. Okay, you got it? Are we going to tell mommy? No, we're not going to tell mommy. Hear the garage door. She's already running out there. Guess what we did? Guess what we did? That's kind of what God gets when partnering with us. So... God tried a partnership with uh, created humans, and then this crazy, absurd, preposterous promise, Genesis 3.15, the offspring of the woman will crush the serpent's head. Now, if you're into Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings and poetry, then that's great. Evil is a serpent, and the offspring of the woman crushed the serpent's head. That, by the way, sounded really crazy until we moved here. Can I get an amen? All summer. You people come in with a rattlesnake story. Some of you involve shovels. Uh, I don't know. New Zealand Julian stepped on the head of a rattlesnake in his flip-flops. Man, snakes hate that. <laughs> Led to some good video. If you want to see it after over donuts, you can ask him. But the point is, evil is real. And yet the promise is that God wins. And it involves the offspring of a woman. Sometimes the old translations of the Bible make sure the O and the W are capitalized so we don't miss offspring of the woman is Jesus, baby Jesus and mother Mary, the offspring of the woman. So next time you sing this, you'll notice it. Offspring of a virgin's womb, hail incarnate deity, God becomes human. Hark the herald angels sing. It's an amazing song. Every year we sing this. It's the finale of Charlie Brown Christmas special. 
we sing what we're talking about this morning, where the angelic hosts proclaim Christ is born in Bethlehem. Now, why did the angels proclaim Christ is born in Bethlehem? One, because it was in Bethlehem (laughs) that Jesus was born, and the shepherds went and saw it for themselves. And then the other reason is 700 years before Jesus was born, a prophet, a minister of God, said, don't despair in these dark times. There's that whole offspring of the virgin's womb going to happen in Bethlehem. Bethlehem? What good happens in Yuma, right? It's that kind of a situation. 700 years before Jesus was born, this was proclaimed, written down, and taught. Kids learned this in school. It's what they would read in church, the tabernacle. But you, O Bethlehem, are only a small village among all the people. Yet a ruler whose origins are in the distant past, doesn't get any more distant than the time of creation, will come from you on my behalf. God is speaking. We miss it, but they heard Bethlehem, where Jesus was going to be born, was just like King David. They loved King David. He'd been a a shepherd of sheep, a caretaker, and he went on to become the king, the greatest king, and they always wanted a new King David. Now, if you read the David story, you find out he wasn't perfect, but he was really good. He won in military battles. They wanted a new King David. They wanted a good king, like we do every election cycle. So hope, when it feels hopeless, that was the promise. In the middle of their darkness, what they heard was, we're not alone. God is with us. If you miss everything else today, get donuts and the fact that God is with you. Does it look like we expect? No, not usually. The 14-year-old in our house, by the way, one of the scariest phrases in all of the world is the person with the microphone saying, I forgot my watch. Can I get an amen? So I stole the 14-year-old, so we're in good shape. But he went to a uh, worship night at at school this week, and he was going to go and pick him up, and, and he was telling me about it. And he said, my favorite thing was somebody said, you have to live this chapter of your life before you can turn the page. You have to live life's an adventure. Don't get lost in the middle of the adventure. We have to live this chapter of our life before we get to go on to the next thing. So the time of Micah, 700 years ago, another prophet, Isaiah, wrote this. The Lord himself will give you the sign. Watch for this. The virgin will conceive a child. That's preposterous. It's absurd. She will give birth to a son. And we'll call him Emmanuel. You can spell it with an I or an E, which means God is with us. That's the promise. In the middle of our hopeless situations, even now, Jesus said the whole point of life is love God and love others. Even now, to trust God is still at work, God is still with us, and the people around us are there on on purpose. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king, peace on earth, God in sinners reconciled, with angelic hosts proclaim, Christ is born in Bethlehem. An old baseball player said, it's not bragging if you can do it. Well, that's what God did. It is a crazy Christmas story. Virgin birth, the angels, and the whole bit. But it's not bragging if you can do it. Late in time, behold him come, offspring of a virgin's womb, veiled in flesh, the Godhead see, hail the incarnate deity, Jesus, our Emmanuel. 
laid-in time. God show up when you want Him to on God's timing? No, it always takes too long. Offspring of a virgin's womb, we got that. Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, from creation all the way till now. Hail the incarnate deity, God in sandals, Jesus our Emmanuel, for Christmas. It's absurd. It's crazy. It's preposterous, except is it absurd if it actually happens? Have you ever tried to tell somebody a crazy story? On my phone, just like Julian's phone, every year I have about 50 new rattlesnake pictures. Because I go out for a bike ride on the bike trail, because I'm old, and there's snakes. Somebody said to me, Ted, do you know how many snakes there must be? What's a bike path? I don't know, 15 feet wide? What's it take a snake to get across the bike path? 30 seconds? And you see 50 a year? Just imagine how many snakes are you passing that? So I haven't slept well since then. But the reason why I take the pictures is because it sounds crazy to me. It sounds absurd and preposterous to me that I see 50 rattlesnakes a year. For the rest of you people, I just say, look down, right? They're there. But I take the picture because it sounds crazy to me to say, hey, I saw another rattlesnake. My mother-in-law was here, I don't know, two months ago. So I was out on my bike, obviously. I saw four within 60 minutes. I took the pictures. They're time-stamped. It's absurd. Have you ever tried to tell a story and it's just too crazy? It's the Christmas story. But is it still absurd if it actually happened? We miss Christmas because the promise is not the promise we think it is. The promise we want is about current comfort and no more pain right now. But the promise is God is with us. We want it's going to be easy. The promise is we're not going to be alone. As parents, we know sometimes our kids need a few problems. We don't like it. But as parents, sometimes we have to allow our kids to have a few problems so they can learn that life has consequences and you have to figure out how to get through it because as parents, we're not going to always be there. So we have to let our kids have some problems and to learn how life really works. Is it the end of the story? No. You've just got a really, really odd chapter right now. You have to live this one out so you can turn the page. If the Heavenly Father knows better than we do, and we earthly parents know on occasion, our kids need to have some problems. Comfort is our goal. It's not God's goal. Hail the heaven-born Prince of Peace, born that humans no more may die, born to give them second birth. Been to a lot of funerals lately. And the scripture we read is that though they die, those who believe in me will live again. That's the promise, that this isn't all there is. Absurd. But wouldn't it be great if we lived like we actually believed it? How would your life change if you actually believed that Christmas time is reminding us, because it's easy to forget the crazy story, that Jesus, God in sandals, was born? Not in a palace, but in the bad part of town. Nobody was excited. Lived. Some people really got what was going on. Many did not. 
when Jesus died, people at the foot of the cross, well, God lost. Nope. That's how you defeat evil? Really? Is God's trick play? Because if the God of the universe dies and doesn't stay dead, well, there's hope in a hopeless situation. Here's the question. If 700 years before Jesus was born said the Savior is going to be born in Bethlehem, if the wise men can read the stars and figure it out, why did people miss Jesus? And the answer is it's the same reason that we do. When X is not always five was explained, I didn't realize I now had the basics of math, of algebra. I didn't have everything. I just knew enough that I could continue going to class and learn. Here's one. When Warren sent me money in seminary, every month, with great hope, it was really helpful. It was a four-year program. I was trying to get it done in three. And every month, I got a check in the mail from Warren, which renewed not only my ability to keep going, but it renewed his, his faith in me that I was going to be a good minister. He believed in me enough that he sent me some real money over the years. And every month he would send me a little message in the stamp. Those of us old enough to remember stamps, he didn't just Venmo it to me. It arrived, and sometimes it would just be the check, and sometimes there would be a note in it, but always the stamp. It was either baseball or Jesus. Well, the United States Post Office doesn't give Warren a lot of options for Jesus, so it was Christmas stuff that he would send year-round. And he would send, we love baseball, so he would send me a baseball stamp when it was available. When I was in uh, London, international stamps were very limited, so I didn't, get the, I didn't get the cool stamp. But he believed that I should be a minister telling others the good news about Jesus. And so every month he would renew that promise to me, just like God did. Starts in Jan, uh, Genesis, page 2 or 3, and every so often it got renewed with Abraham and with Moses and with the prophets and all the way till Jesus was born. And still they missed it. But I'll tell you something. The reason they missed it is the same. What I really wanted from Warren was a lump sum up front. Can I get an amen? Can you just write the check? I wanted the comfort of just knowing that money was there and already set aside. Didn't seem absurd to me at all. But here's what Warren knew better than me. It wasn't just about the money. What I would have missed is the relationship. So every month that message through the stamp and the handwritten notes and a lot of phone calls, a lot of visits over the years, the kids love visiting Warren. Just a great guy. His whole family was great. We were driving down from our Flagstaff Thanksgiving, going through Phoenix, and the eight-year-old asked if Carla is there. They lived in Phoenix. They come down for the winter. said, is Carla there? Because we could stop by. So I asked Warren's son, Paul, when are you and your wife coming down? He said, well, I have back surgery in early December, so hopefully by the end of January we'll be down. The eight-year-old is asking to go hang out with old people, I mean, besides me right? Just great people. 
What Warren knew is sending the check to get me to be a minister to pay for the school is great, but the real thing was the relationship. Renewing the promise. Look at this picture. Warren was almost 103 when he died. Quitter. Talked to him on Tuesday, Thursday, we, uh, no, Friday, we were walking, my wife and I, and Carla, the daughter-in-law, was calling me. And Jenny said, uh-oh. Well, I was all cocky. I thought we were doing a surprise for Warren. I just talked to him on Tuesday. Well, he died Thursday night, a month shy of 103. So right before COVID, the last time I saw Warren, and look, I'm wearing the same shoes. It was right here. Came to see me right here. 100 years old, almost 101 for this, this picture. And he came to see me here. I mean, he paid for it. He wanted to see what his investment turned out, right? The ongoing relationship. That's the promise. God is with us. Are we here for each other? It's absurd. It's preposterous. Born in a barn. Except... It's preposterous, like explaining where babies come from to a child or why we keep rooting for our favorite sports teams or why we watch an entire house get renovated but never fix that one squeaky door. It's preposterous and it's crazy, but we're pretty familiar with absurd. So it's Christmas time. It's my favorite time of the year. Trusting Jesus, absurd as it may sound, that God is still with us. That's what makes it merry. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, it's Christmas time. About half the group is pretty annoyed by Christmas songs already. Forgive them. They do not know what they're doing. Would you, in the middle of a Christmas song, would you speak to us? In the middle of the family gatherings and the friend gatherings and the kid events, would you give us some glimpses, some moments where we see you at work? where we feel not only responsible for our actions and the sufferer of the consequences, but an actual real life child of the king, that you have a unique place for us in your kingdom and for as many times as we wander away that we're always being called back. If there's anybody here today who doesn't know you, the ABC approach to the relationship with you, A, is to admit we are sinners. We missed the mark. We're trying to build our own kingdom outside of yours. And the place to build our kingdom is within your kingdom. B is to believe that Jesus, the one born in the barn, who was there at creation, who's been promised all those years, was actually here. And that the Holy Spirit of God is still here. And that Jesus makes us worthy of the kingdom of God. C is to choose to become the person each and every day that you created us to be. C is to choose each day to trust you are still at work and that you are here with us. And it's in the name of Jesus that we pray. And everybody said, amen.